Well, hello and welcome to the Stumbling Through Scripture podcast. My name is Archie Catchpole. I'm a Bible nerd living in London and it is so great to have you listening today. I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're having a nice day. On today's show, we're going to be finishing off looking at sandwiches, which I'm, to be honest, delighted about because sandwiches are like my least favourite type of lunch ever. So we're looking at Mark chapter 11 verses 20 to 25. So we're going to start off by just recapping what's been going on in the previous verses. What is the context? What has been leading up to this passage that we're looking at today? We're then going to be having a look at whether these verses are just like a random like ragtag collection of verses at the end because the stuff about the praying and believing doesn't necessarily seem to fit at first glance with the theme, the story of this fig tree, the temple and what's going on. And then we're finally going to take a look at verse 25, which is about forgiveness and your father in heaven forgiving you. So I'm I'm stoked about this podcast. I'm really excited to dive into it. So let's get started. So we're here in Mark chapter 11, verse 20, and we read that in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. This is clearly a continuation of a story, a narrative that has been taking place in the preceding verses. And so what is it? If you're new, um, then you're in luck. You're going to find out. If you've been listening to the past couple of weeks, this is just a bit of a recap uh, to jog our memories. So we start off, this is a Mark and Sandwich, where this is a technique that Mark used. He took two seemingly different stories and he combined them together. He split one story and had like the base bread layer, then he had the filling, and then he had the top bread layer with the second half of the story that he split. And basically, Mark would do this to really bring out and emphasise the point, the meaning, the message that he was trying to make with the two stories. So we have Jesus, he goes along, he curses a fig tree because it doesn't have any fruit. And this is like a parabolic, um, prophetic message of judgment on Israel basically because they're not producing fruit then Jesus goes into the temple and he flips some tables he teaches from Isaiah and Jeremiah celebrity Israelite prophets and this again is like a prophetic message it's a a parabolic enactment of what's going to happen to the temple it's basically Jesus saying that the temple is closing have a listen to the past couple of weeks if you want to find out what was going on so here In the morning, as they pass by, we pick up this story, this thread of the fig tree. It's the top layer of bread. Now, this kind of always amuses me when I read it, because they walk past the fig tree that Jesus cursed, and Peter remembers, and he's like, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And it's just like, it baffles me, right? Because Peter has been Jesus' disciple for however many years. He's seen Jesus perform so many miracles. He's listen to Jesus teaching on and he's been with Jesus for three years right and he still is just absolutely mind-boggled that Jesus curses a tree and the curse actually worked like how thick like how slow can you be Peter to like take so long to realize that when Jesus curses a fig tree that fig tree is going to be cursed but this is it seems like slightly random it seems slightly weird Um, because of course the fig tree would be cursed because Jesus cursed it but this actually is not just some like minor detail that Mark feels like adding in this is absolutely crucial 
to the sandwich that we've got going on, to the message that we've got. Because if we just had Jesus cursing the fig tree, and if we just had Jesus closing the temple, and we didn't have anything afterwards, then it would still potentially be an open question as to whether the fig tree actually was cursed. Was Jesus correct in pronouncing the judgment on Israel? And here in this passage, we see the answer is very clearly, emphatically, yes. What Jesus did with the fig tree, it happened, definitely. And so what Jesus does closing the temple, it basically is just drawing out the certainty that that is absolutely, definitely going to happen. And we see the fig tree, it's withered away from its roots, is withered from the roots up. This means that it isn't just slowly in the process of dying. The fig tree, basically overnight, like in one day, the fig tree has died. So we're closing off this Mark and Sandwich with the fig tree and the closing of the temple with the message that this is for real. This isn't messing about. Jesus isn't joking. The fig tree was cursed. The temple is closed. Okay, that's it. It's happened. It's done. We can move on. The passage that we got today, verses 20 to 25, they're pretty rough. Like, they don't seem to fit together. They seem to be uh, just a kind of random collection of verses, right? Because we've got the cursing of the fig tree, like, it's definitely withered. And Peter's like, whoa, it's definitely withered. And then Jesus kind of moves on to these teachings, like, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, you can move the mountain. Believe when you pray and you'll receive it. And forgive people when you're praying so God will forgive you too. And those like final three sayings just seem to be quite weird. They just seem to be quite random. Like, why are they there? Um, do they link to the fig tree passage? Are they supposed to link to the fig tree passage? Or are they just like random and Mark's being like, oh, yeah, I remember Jesus said these things. I don't know where else to put them. So I think I'll put them here at the end of this passage, basically, because he just doesn't know where else to put them. Well, some people do think that it's just a very random collection of stories. I actually think, and a lot of other commentators do think, that this is like these verses on prayer. Mark's put them there deliberately to kind of enforce and to like add another layer of meaning to this whole passage. So what is that? What's that all about? I'll tell you. One of the things that I'm going to need you to do if I'm going to try and explain why I think that these verses actually do belong together is for you to imagine that you're walking from Bethany to Jerusalem. Just picture it in your head. Imagine that that's what you're doing. Now, maybe that's quite hard for you because maybe you've never walked from Bethany to Jerusalem. Don't worry, neither have I. So let me tell you what everyone says that journey is like, right? Bethany is on one hill. You go down the hill. Then you go up another hill to Jerusalem. So there's like two hills and there's a valley. From where Jesus and the disciples would have been, there's only really one hill, one mountain that would have been in view as Jesus was talking to them. The hill that the temple was on, the mountain of the Jerusalem temple. Okay, so you're walking with Jesus, you see the fig tree, and then Jesus is like, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, blah, 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 all the rest of the Jesus stuff. Which mountain? If Jesus is going to be pointing to a mountain at that time, Jesus is specific, by the way, this mountain. 
we just kind of tend to think we generalize it like, oh, faith can move mountains. And we think of just any mountain anywhere. But Jesus says this mountain. So if you're imagining that you're on the journey with Jesus, which mountain could he possibly be pointing to? It's the mountain that the temple is on. It's the Jerusalem mountain. That is absolutely key to understanding Jesus' teaching here. So Jesus is saying that have faith in God because if you believe and you don't doubt, then you will be able to say to this mountain, i.e. the mountain that the temple is on, that it can be thrown up, picked up and thrown into the sea. This is relevant for two really awesome reasons. So firstly, it just doubles down on this idea that the temple is closing. Jesus is saying that basically like, look, I have had faith in God that this temple will be picked up and thrown into the sea. It will be destroyed. Jesus is adding even more certainty to the fact that the temple is closing. And the sea, by the way, is this place of like death and destruction. And so in Mark chapter 5, verse 13, one of the other three times where the sea is mentioned, um, there's this guy possessed by unclean spirits called Legion, and Jesus casts the spirits out of him into the pigs, and the spirits then drive the pigs down into the sea. I don't know if you remember that story, but the sea there going down into the sea, that's like death, calamity, destruction, oblivion. And again, in Mark chapter 9, verse 42, Jesus warns that if anyone causes a child to stumble, to sin, it would be better for them to have a heavy stone hung round their neck and for them to be thrown into the sea. Again, a place of destruction and death and oblivion, basically, as I've said. And so Jesus is saying, like, look, that's where the temple's going, to death, destruction, oblivion. The fig tree was completely withered and destroyed. The temple will be completely destroyed. And the second reason why this is so awesome is because when Jesus specifies this mountain, what he's basically doing is he's giving us a target for our own prayers. The temple had become this hotbed of sin. It had become this, this kind of locus of injustice. It had come to stand for opposition to God, unfaithfulness and disobedience to him. And so when Jesus is saying, pray that this mountain will be taken up and thrown into the sea, he's basically saying, target your prayers against wherever there is injustice. Pray against wherever there is opposition to God. Pray that it would be overthrown, that it would be seized and hurled into the sea. And pray that in its stead, in its place, the kingdom of God would break through and shatter the bonds of injustice, that it would shatter the oppression that was taking place and that it would bring new God-breathed, Jesus-centered kingdom life. Jesus is encouraging us to pray, God, would your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's just rephrased it, repackaged that commandment, that teaching to pray into the terms of this temple mountain and stuff like that. So it's really awesome. It kind of reinforces the idea that the temple is closed, that there will be a new way to relate to God. And then it's also saying you should pray for the kingdom of God to break in. You should pray against injustice and oppression and strongholds of sin. And when you do, God hears your prayers. He listens to them and he will answer them. And that's just incredible, isn't it?
So we're now going to spend a bit of time looking at verse 25. And this verse is such a challenging verse. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And I don't know if your Bible has a note here at the bottom, uh, which says that some ancient texts add verse 26. Most Bibles don't have it, but verse 26 is basically a repetition of verse 25, but just in negative terms. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And so the point is abundantly clear here. Forgive so that you can be forgiven. Jesus says this, like in Matthew 6, after he's just given the Lord's Prayer, and even in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sinned against us. Jesus repeats this after giving instruction on the Lord's Prayer, the same basic idea that when you're praying, forgive people if you have anyone to forgive, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. It's a really challenging teaching But here in Mark's gospel, as well as being an incredibly challenging teaching to us, it's also an extremely eye-opening teaching about God. Because you see, in the gospel of Mark, right, God is referred to as a father in the introduction. I mean, he's not called a father, but he said that Jesus is the son of God in the introduction. And then God calls Jesus his son in Jesus' baptism. And then again in chapter 9 with the transfiguration at the top of the mountain. There are three times where Jesus is described as God's son. But for the first time ever in Mark's gospel, here in Mark chapter 11 verse 25, God is referred to as our father in heaven. This is the first time that Jesus is referred to as Father. And the context in which Jesus is referred to as Father is one of forgiveness and reconciliation. And so this is just absolutely key to understanding God's identity, who God is as our Father. He is forgiving. He is all about reconciliation. He is all about forgiveness. And that's the basis of how we can forgive others. That's the basis for this challenging teaching that when we're praying, forgive others. It's so difficult. But when we know that we have a Father in heaven who forgives us our sins, how much easier is it for us then to forgive others theirs? And so for the first time in Mark's Gospel, God is referred to as Father, and that shows us that God is forgiving, he is awesome, he is all about grace and reconciliation. And on that note, we're just about coming to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. It has been such a pleasure to explore this passage with you a little bit. Next week, we are finally out of the sandwich and we're moving out of the sandwich into an interrogation. Jesus' authority is questioned. But more on that next week. I hope you have an amazing week. Do check out the Stumbling Through Scripture blog and all the links. And also, exciting, if you go to the website stumblingthroughscripture.co.uk, you can click subscribe, give your email, and when you do, every post, every blog post will be emailed right directly into your inbox. So you don't even have to wait for, like, the Instagram posts or anything. It's just there, boom, ready for you to read. How awesome is that? So, yeah, thank you guys all so much for listening. Enjoy your week. Do share with your friends if you've liked it. Leave a comment. I'd love to hear your feedback on how this is going. I'd love to hear your questions. And until next time, stumble with care.